What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Philly Blitz podcast, episode seven. It's the newest season of Eagles football. Training camp has come to a close, and it is time for the regular season. We're all looking forward to the game against the Lions. I'm Parth, and I'm here with my boys, Pierre and Quell. How y'all doing? I'm doing good, man. It's been a minute for me. I started school back, what, about a week or two ago, so that's been taking mm-hmm. the majority of my time, but excited to talk with y'all today, man. What with Lumber Duck Duck? How y'all feeling? <laughs> if y'all saw me on Twitter, y'all know that's my new thing. It's I the one and only Marquell Frick Owens. I'm awesome today, man. It's always good to talk some great birds football, especially with all this good news going on. Somebody need to go put Howie back in the front closet. He's going crazy. Howie, he's Howie he's making moves, man. He sold his soul again, and it's, it's fine. Like, I don't crazy. care who it was. It's done. Even if it's my soul, you know, I give it up, man. It's fine. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. All right. We're, we're bringing a chip back to the city, man. I, I'm in it too. Cause he sold my soul. So, you know, <laughs> but I mean, we wanted to record yesterday. I mean, we were so excited, but you know, things got in the way we're here today and we got a gator on the Eagles, man. Like I, I was in a meeting when it happened and then I went and checked my phone and I, I see, I see, I see the uh, the tweet from Ari uh, Ari Mirov, right? Uh, I see the tweet from Ari, and I'm like, "Yo, what? Chauncey Gardner is an eagle, bro." I'm sitting, I was sitting in one of my classes, and it's like one of those classes where like it's like a lecture, so it's like extremely quiet. You can't, you can't make no noise, and bro. I see the tweet, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" In my head, <laughs> I can picture that happening. You quite over there, like. <laughs> bro, like I had heart palpitations. I wasn't. No, I wasn't all right. I was. No, y'all. At least y'all. It, y'all it hit y'all much better than it hit me. Cause y'all know I'm an active scroller, especially running around the town where I first get up. Those are my hours, like around eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock hour. So I'm actively scrolling, and the first thing I I've seen, we cut a couple pieces. So I'm like, okay. Getting the day rolling, then across my screen it pops up. Eagles cut starting safety Anthony Harris, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" Mm-hmm. Like now we have problems. We just cut Jarquiski Tart, and I was like, "I mean, okay, he won't be a start. Not start a nice depth piece, but still." But then cutting Anthony Harris was like, "No, no." I mean, he couldn't have had that bad a camp. I mean, they just let him lead the team out the huddle the last preseason game, like. What is going on? But then half a minute later, 30 seconds later, there was another tweet that came back. Eagles trade for CJGJ. And I'm like, okay, everything is all in order in the world again. Howie Rose, you are not tripping. It was Bro, awesome. the, the, the exact details of the trade were uh, the Eagles, they sent the 2023 fifth rounder and the worst of their two six round picks in 2024. And the Saints sent back uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and the 2025 seventh rounder. So I wanted to record this podcast like immediately because I felt like people weren't excited enough. And y'all know 
I am the biggest Gator fan out here. You know, that 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 Philly Gator guy or Eagles Gator guy on, on Twitter doesn't speak for the rest of us. <laughs> All right. That, 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 that is nonsense. OK, but like. I watched Chauncey in college for, for years and I knew like even in the draft, I was like, we need to he fits Philadelphia. He's exactly what we need. And I thought, you know, at the time he could he could learn under un, un, under Jenkins or it was it was the year he was he would have replaced him. Regardless, like I thought he would be such a great fit for our defense in our city. Then we didn't get him. He goes to New Orleans, and I was just heartbroken. And then he goes and plays with Malcolm Jenkins too, and he does everything you see that that, that you saw in college. He does it even more in in the pros. He gets Michael Thomas to punch him in the face. He gets uh, uh what, what's his name's Wims uh Javon Wims Javon Wims to punch him in the face during a game. Like I mean, it's crazy. I mean he's ta- he's talking all the time, and you know it it just it seems like he's such a Philly guy. And then we got him, but I feel like because people see. Oh, he played slot corner in the pros. And because we got him for like cents on the dollar, I think people don't understand like what an impact player we're getting. Like this is a guy who played safety in college. You know, he was, he was comfortable in college and his, and his senior year, he had like nine interceptions. Like this guy knows how to find the ball and he gets to it. And you know, the position he played on the Saints was a very instinctual one. You know, like even though he played in the slot, the thing about him that's different is that he's just got a nose for the football. And and that just means that he has superior play recognition. You know, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to buy into the fakes. He's not going to do those types of things because he knows what's coming. He watches his film and he has a, he has a feel for these types of things. And that was what you saw at Florida. He like found his way around the ball. There's there's one interception. I think it's uh I think it's against I think it's against Michigan actually because he's he 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 follows like a post over you know it, it I think it's like the post or something but he follows the lower post over and he gets the quarterback to throw it to the to, to the higher post and he fully turns around and gets to the ball and makes an interception on the ball like those are the types of things he can do he can he can kind of ploy quarterbacks into 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 plays and we haven't seen that type of thing from our safeties for a while you know even when Rodney McLeod was healthy he was still coming back for he, he was still coming off of an coming off of two ACL tears right in, in in consecutive years and he was past his prime you know quite honestly and so now we have a guy who can be an impact player at the position and has the instincts to make it happen and I just think people should be a lot more a lot more excited what do you guys think um just to add a little on what you were just saying I mean First thing I thought, periodly, when I seen the acquisition was, if it goes back to that, con- you remember that conversation we had on the podcast, Park, where we were asking, well, we got two lockdown cornerbacks now. Do you think that maybe Gannon to turn up the pressure a little bit? Mm-hmm. Well, guess who can come out and play press man coverage on third downs now? The Philadelphia Eagles. And that's something while Avante Maddox is as talented as he is and as good as he is. We all are Avante fans over here. He didn't allow them their ability to come out and play mess, press man coverage on third down. See, when you talk about a guy like CJGJ, you're talking about a guy who finished sixth in EPA among all defensive backs who played at least 50% of their coverage snaps in the slot. And this was in 2021, of course. He was also tied for the second most interceptions with three at that time. 
So he was clearly, as you said, a ball hawk, always near the football. But he does a he does a great job, a really great job of erasing top tier receivers. Which I mean, if you ask some of the people from Tampa, Tampa Bay camp, that was one of the reasons why the Saints gave Tampa Bay so many problems. Because as we saw during the playoff game, and as I pointed out during the, that pregame show that we released, part the, the Buccaneers love to play Mike Evans in the slot. And if you're going to mm-hmm. give me Mike Evans on Avante Mac, I mean, yeah, Avante Maddox all day, I'm going to take it. But see, you can't yeah. do that when you play matched up against Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He he makes life difficult at that situ- at those situations. So just the, a player of that status coming to Philadelphia is huge. But then you think about the uh, high profile antagonizer that you're bringing into town. Like I saw somebody make a tweet where it was saying they haven't had a player this Philly since Allen Iverson. Where I mean, it's real. Like, really, when honestly, the first thing I think about when I think about CJGJ is when he was asked about playing the Buccaneers again, and they asked him about having the opportunity to match up with Rob Gronkowski, and his answer was about as real as it can get. And I quote: "You can tell me to go try and guard God. I'm gonna step out there. <laughs> I'm a man." I don't own that. I'm rocking with it. His X-ray came back positive. He had that dog in him. The X-ray came back positive, bro. He, he had four dogs in him. <laughs> no, you, you, you're absolutely right, man. That That is a hell of a quote. I'm glad you brought that one up, man. I, had, I hadn't thought about that one in a while. Now I remember it. <laughs> Yeah, and so for me, um, going back to what you said, Parth, you evoked the name Malcolm Jenkins. And yes. I have a quote from 2015. I think it was a Doug, I don't want to butcher his last name, Farrar, Farrar, wrong? I think that's how you say it. But, um, yeah, he had a quote in the interview in the interview that he had with Malcolm where Malcolm Jenkins said, the versatility of players uh, in the current day of the NFL is at a premium now. Because it's all about matchups. I learned early on, the more you can do, the longer you'll last in the league. And when you talk about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, this guy is the epitome of versatility. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, posts on Twitter talking about how he's just a slide or limit. And it's to me, it's kind of like limiting limiting him. Um, I think he's more of a hybrid type of defensive back. Um, how can I how can I evoke this? Uh, I don't know. I think that's the best way I can say it. Just versatility, you know, hybrid. That's the type of player he is. Absolutely, man. I think to that point, I mean, we're talking about Malcolm Jenkins, right? I mean, the parallels are there, right? I mean, you don't want to you know, write it all out there, but a guy coming from the Saints, the Saints didn't want to pay him what he thought he was worth, you know, and then he ends up on the Eagles, and he's an extremely versatile player. Chauncey has played on the outside. He's played in the slot. He's played at safety. He's done literally everything you can do, you know, at the position. Exactly. So, uh, let me get you asked me about that in his first interview. Sorry, uh, just, I just want to say one thing, well, but uh, somebody asked him about it in the interview. They were like, you know, what what position are you? What are you most comfortable at? Are you comfortable going back to safety? And Chauncey's answer was just, I'm a football player. You know, you put me out there and I'm, I'm going to play football, you know? And, and, and I think that is the epitome of, of what he is and what he brings to this team. 
Exactly, man. And I mean, as you said, and I feel like that's the misconception about what's going on right now. Like, it's easy to bring up the Malcolm Jenkins parallels, but don't get it twisted. The Saints wanted to pay him, and they wanted to keep him. I mean, there was a quote from Dennis Allen when he was asked about it. He said, that was not an easy decision. We wouldn't have done that if we didn't feel extremely confident in the group we had, though. And I mean, I feel like it's, it's easy to say something like that in hindsight, but the true difference right there was the role he played for them was slot corner, nickel back. And the truth is, he feels like, like he said, Park, he's a football player. Not only the way y'all use him might be primarily used for this, but he's much more than just that. And him playing in the, the nickel corner role wasn't going to really allocate him that much dollar, at least as compared to how much he would on the safety market. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go back to the whole uh, versatility thing. Um, when you look around defenses of today, the honest NFL, I think, uh, they made a tweet earlier today when they were saying how you can't look at defenses as 3-4 or 4-3. You know, it's all about being multiple, being hybrid. And so um, as defenses have evolved, so has the defensive back position. You know, you look at guys like a Duran James, like a Minka Fitzpatrick, Tyron Matthew. All of these guys are safeties who also can come down into the slot or come down into the box and contribute. Um, you know, you want to play – you look around the league now, more safeties, they're playing more closer to the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it's, that creates more versatility in what the defensive coordinators can call, and it allows uh, safeties themselves to be more productive. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, and I think it's it's kind of funny because, you know, we all wanted Tyron Matthew at the, at, at the beginning of the offseason, you know, and especially even late into it because he signed so late. But we were all like, oh, we want Tyron. It's – actually the signing of Tyron, I think that made them feel like, you know, or CJ was like slightly expendable. And I mean, I saw that the difference in the, uh, the uh, compensation that he wanted was like 4 million or something. And that seems like I mean, it's kind of, yeah, you're going. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily just say Tyron because I was actually having a conversation with a guy about that on Twitter where like, Dennis Allen said they feel comfortable about the people they have in their room from Tyron and his ability to step from both the safety and the nickel role. They got P.J. Williams who can do similar things. They also drafted Alante Taylor this year, so they got guys who can fit that role. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense, but, you know, I don't know. You know, the, when I when I look at it, I see, I see a guy who might be blossoming and the difference of four mil. I know they also have Marcus Davenport, right, to to pay soon. You know, they have they have a couple big big contracts coming up, so, so it makes sense. You know, these types of things happen. They're tough decisions in football. It's the Saints' mistake and our benefit, the way I see it, and I'm and I'm all for it. I think he's going to change our defense. I think, you know, the, the versatility that he, you know, has in his in his repertoire is really going to be beneficial to Jonathan Gannon, and this brings it back to. You know, the, the, the thing on Jonathan Gannon and that, like, he's going to have to dial some new stuff up this year, you know, and I know we're going to get into that more in a little bit, but pressure's on Gannon now. You know, he's got he's got the safety now. We were talking about it last week, Quell, like, oh, this defense is stacked, except, you know, safety, you know, it has some question marks. 
well, now we just got an up-and-coming player to go play the position who has a lot of juice. We got to see what he's made of now. We got to see what this defense is made of. So yeah, I'm extremely a nice, a little, a little tidbit of information that I picked up on um and doing my making my notes for the pod. Um, the player on the Eagles defense who played the second most slot snaps last year was Anthony Harris. Chauncey Gardner Johnson is going to be in that role. What do we know Chauncey Gardner Johnson for doing and doing at a high level, playing in the slot? So, and he played like fifty four percent. Yeah. Right, like I think it was fifty four percent in the slot. So it's not, yeah. it's not like oh he was the most in the slot, but like it was a minor amount. No, he was in the slot a lot. And speaking of Anthony Harris, uh, you know he's he like you know it was surprising that he was released because just because he's also a really good locker room guy. But he's I'm glad to see he's back on the practice squad and and you know back with the team. So we do have safety depth as well now. So you know even in those early weeks, week one, we might see some Anthony Harris on the field just if Chauncey's getting uh you know. Yeah, because the, can't you like with the with the practice squad rules? Can't you elevate two play two yeah. or three players to your 50, 53? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it, it's like super weird, and you can keep obviously older players on the practice squad now too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyways, so more addition. Get out of here on that. Oh I yes, just got absolutely. a question for y'all. Um, so how much pressure do you think there is on Philadelphia to get a deal done with Chauncey? Do you think it's something they get to done immediately? Do you think it's something that's one of the mid-season deals that we've come to see how it rolls in the strike? Or is it something that comes to the last hour where they possibly let him walk after this season, especially when you think of the fact that they basically got him for free? I think it'll be I think it'll be one of those things that we see get done, if not like right before the season, uh right after it starts, because you know, you have a twenty four year old versatile defensive back these types of players don't come along very often. This is a guy that, you know, you're going to want to keep around. You're going to want to keep him in your locker room. You know, you talked about how um, just how much like, like the, the competitive spirit that he has. Um, I think that's a, he's a culture guy. Man, once Brandon Graham leaves, we're going to need a shit talker on the team. You know, yeah. he's going to have to retire at some point. We need someone to step into his <laughs> shoes. You know, Somebody but, said I, that, man. Right. It was Dallas Goddard. Oh, that was Dallas. Dallas was like they were asking about his shit talking, and they were he was like, "Well, I play with Brandon Graham. I play against Brandon Graham every day in practice, so you know it won't, it won't be anything new." So you know, it, it, you're exactly right, Peter. Locker room guy, versatile defender, and especially in this day and age, versatile defenders are the hottest commodity, especially in the defensive backfield. You know, so that's just that's going to be a fact. And I also and just even, think, yeah. Yeah, and even going back to uh, Gannon, you know, you had a quote earlier in the offseason where you said the nickel position in his defense is a mirror position with the safety in some things. So some of the responsibilities that uh, Chauncey has, um, it's going to naturally bleed over into um, what he's already comfortable doing. Exactly, exactly. I was going to bring that up as well. But, uh, yeah, man, exactly to your point. You know, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a good fit in this defense. And even if Gannon leaves this year, you know, that's just a possibility. If he has a really great season, he could be going for a head coaching job. I think Chauncey would be a good fit in any defense just because of the type of football player he is. Um, But to to your other point, I think it's going to be done midseason as well just because – that's how Howie likes to get his, his deals done. You know, he he awards guys who can who who play and are contributors to the team. We saw Avante's deal get done in the season last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Dallas has got done. Was it 
was it during the season as I think well? It was was like it I think before? it was like right after right after the Earth deal or like right, right, exactly. Yeah, after. exactly, exactly. It was right after the Earth deal. So you know that's the type of way how he likes to get things done. And um, in his in his press conference, he said, you know, Howie and I have talked. I'm just here to I'm here ready to play football. So it doesn't sound think, like he's worried about it. Yeah, I think we're forgetting the most important factor in all of this. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is a Gator guy. Howie Roseman is a Gator guy. It's a Gator, the baby. Gonna, the, the deal is going to get done. He's a he, he, it was so funny in his press conference. He said, Howie reminds me of myself. You know, I was like, oh, really? Like, Interesting. He was like, he was like, he's not afraid to go get what he wants, and he's a Gator. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right, man. Go Gators. <laughs> well, um, I'm getting a jersey, man. I'm getting a jersey. Of- it's been a whole lot of gator love going on. There it is. Um, there it is. Here it comes. I think it's only right that we address the fact that a certain OH running back has <laughs> signed with the Eagles fresh off waivers. Someone with some correlations to Jalen Hurts. I think it's actually funny, man. They got Jalen Hurts, Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, Grant Calcatar. All That's these crazy. Oklahoma guys in that and people room. and people will sit and tell you that they don't believe in Jalen Hurts, so they they they're not really trying to trying to build around him. All we're missing is CD, man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's go see what the Cowboys want. I mean, they gave up Amari for what, like a fifth or a sixth? <laughs> go get him. <laughs> With the way how we moving right now, it's highly possible. I'm, I mean, honestly, sorry, just to step away from the topic for a second, but like, I don't get it. How's he get guys to do this, man? Does he like, 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 there's like, he's got to write a book at some point, man. Like, how, how does he do it, man? It's going to be the art of the deal, Howie Roseman. Like, what is, he, <laughs> what is he doing, man? Like, he just goes and he's planting seeds in their head or something, man. Cause I mean, we got more for Jalen Rager than the Cowboys got for, for, for Amari Cooper. And I know that there's contracts and things involved, but, what <laughs> in theory? In theory, you think that when you're a receiver of Amari, Amari Cooper's caliber, that you would at least get a third or fourth round pick. I'm just saying exactly. that every other receiver got traded for ones, and he got traded for peanuts because Jerry's not a negotiator. That's why <laughs> it's Jura world. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but, but but Trey Sermon is is definitely an exciting addition. But I would be remiss to not mention that there is also a Gator back signed to the practice squad. Well, Michael P. Ryan, one of the I think you you guys have probably seen it on Instagram. Honestly, the video I think it's against Tennessee. He breaks his big run and the swamp goes crazy. Like it just it like it they like the the speakers just start like uh, blasting on your phone and everything. But Lamichael, he can he can get north to south. I think he he reminds me a lot of Trey Sermon, you know, in that like he's a he's a bigger back who can get north to south and get you the yardage. I think Sermon obviously has a little bit more more upside in terms of you know speed. Lamichael is a little bit slower, but I think I think Lamichael is a gamer. All right, but but let's get into some Trey Sermon thought. And so I think the thing to note here is Trey Sermon is added to the fifty three man roster. He's not on a practice yeah. squad. This is exactly. a guy that they want to keep around. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's mean. That was the important. That was the important thing to me. Like when I found out that the Eagles had acquired Sermon, that was the first question: Was he on the fifty-three or the practice squad? 
So once I seen that he was on the 53, I mean, initially the first thing that comes to mind is, I mean, we all kept speaking on the fact that the Eagles needed a heavy set, more so, not more so a power back, but one of them north-south runner kind of guys. The one cut, put your foot in the ground, get straight to it type of guy. And that's exactly what you're getting in Trey Sermon now. Don't get me wrong, clearly something went wrong for him to not work out. Honestly, I wouldn't even put it on him. I think he just got bad mojo because he got picked so high. And Dick Shanahan knows he has no business picking running backs high. His father yeah. couldn't do it. He can't do it. Just stick to what you do well. But, and I think one of the things to note there, like we were talking about uh, before we went on, Quill, um, in San Francisco, uh, they're a more under-center, zone-based rushing attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Sermon, he's more used to a sort of spread, shot out of the shotgun style uh, of rushing attack. And I think the Eagles, you know, last year you saw them um, bring into or bring into their offensive arsenal some of what uh, Jalen Hurts excelled at at uh, Oklahoma. And so I think we're going to see some of that with Sermon too. Mm-hmm. Definitely, man. So, do you think that Sermon will feel much of what we would consider like a Jordan Howard-like role? I think he can. Yeah, yeah. I think he I think, can. I think that's exactly what he'll do. He brings. I mean, he brings the size to the room. He's six foot, two eighteen, something like that. I mean, one of the he, one of the one of the names from Eagles past that I can't help but see when I watch him, Josh Adams, former Notre Dame running back. Um, he's the guy that he sort of kind of reminds me of. Josh Adams was legit for those couple games, man. He was running through dudes. I know you get the the London Jacksonville game, right? Right. It, that's the one where where JJ got caught from behind too, isn't it? Is there was it? there was there was the mic'd up where they were talking about like I can't believe you got caught from behind or something like that. Or no, I that, think I think that was I think that was a different game in twenty seven. Was it was that the Cowboys game? Yeah, he it was got either the Cowboys. Cowboys. Okay, the, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, never mind then. But but yeah, and and even even besides just the size, we talked about it last part. You don't necessarily need the size, but it's the type of runner. And yeah. and 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 Trey is not willing to to is not scared. I'm sorry, not 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 willing, but not scared to to put his head down and run and and, and run north to south. So um, I think he'll definitely be a good fit. Uh, but but speaking of running backs, uh, Miles Miles practiced today for for the first time. So that's that's definitely a uh, a positive sign for how he's trending. Definitely, definitely. What's you guys' outlook for him um, or on him for this season? Is that an until contract year? Yeah. I got no idea, man. I think it all just depends on his health. He has the ability to 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 rush for a thousand yards. You know, even even on a on a on a rotation basis, just because of the crazy runs he can break. But. If he's not able to stay healthy and not able to stay consistent, and if he, you know, has fumbling issues again, he, I know he solidified it near the end of last year, but throughout his career, he's had an issue with ball security. So unless he can, you know, get healthy, and or sorry, stay healthy, um, and and make sure he holds onto the ball, I, I really don't know. Yeah. And so me, I'm kind of biased because I am a, a well-stated member of the "We Do Not Pay Running Backs" uh, way of thinking, but. I don't see. I just don't see any way he's back in an Eagles uniform after no. uh, this season. Like yeah. you talked about it, from the injuries to the uh, fumbling to just the inconsistencies. It's just I don't know. I don't see a way he's back in an Eagles uniform. Well, Pierre, I got bad news for you. 
the Eagles got two first round picks in the first in the NFL draft next year, and I'm almost eighty six percent sure one of them we're gonna get spent on BJ Robinson and he's gonna get paid. Well, I mean I mean I think in in certain cases you can pay a running back, but just like like a guy like a Miles or like a, a I don't know, I'm not gonna say a above average starter. I don't believe in paying those guys. I, yeah, I think I – yeah, you were saying, Quill? That's the strange part about these things because, I mean, when you look at this with the situation with Miles, like, while we all clearly as Eagles fans have long, long memories and it's been a long time since we've seen some Eagles football, which means all we've had time is to sit and stew on our feelings. So, I mean – I think it's easy to forget that Miles is he is our most talented running back. We might think Kenneth Gainwell is gonna be the breakout star or that a Josh a, a Jordan Howard or a Trey Sermon could be more consistent, depends on the run style. But Miles is definitely the most talented back we have. We've seen what I don't wanna say we've seen what Keith Miles could be, but we've seen what Miles what we consider at his best can be, whether it's him contributing as a pass catcher or, like you said, Park, the, the explosive runs and the element that he brings to this offense. And I think it, that's the most that's the most frustrating part about it, though. Like, we've seen it, but it's just come in flashes. It hasn't been a con, on a consistent, you know, 16, 16 17-game basis. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's the thing. If you can't – I guess that's the whole purpose, at least how I view If you're going to be the Eagles or a team like that who operates by a running back by committee, you can't get mad when you when your running back isn't the workhorse because y'all don't treat him like that anyway. He's going to be inconsistent. I, I think I think the thing about the, the running back by committee is, yeah, we'd like to do that. But if we had a back who could do everything, I think we would absolutely you know lean into that and let him get most of the carries. But I think it's the fact that Miles can't stay healthy. The Miles can stay consistent. That we go by this running back by committee to keep him healthy throughout the season. Um, I I tend to agree a little bit more with Pierre when it comes to paying running backs. If you're you know if you're just an above average starter, you know I don't know if they can justify giving you a big deal. You know, like if you want to sign back on a team friendly deal to be part of a running back by committee, fine. But if you want to be paid like a workhorse back. I can't, I can't justify giving giving Miles, you know, that type of big money. I would, I would sign him back if he wants to. Like and then the, another yeah. element of it you have to consider when talking about the running back situation in the Eagles offensive line. That's they line. have exactly. the best offensive line in the business, coached by the best offensive line coach in the business. Um, I've said it multiple times. You could put me or you back there, and we could run behind that old line. So you could put ESP back there. <laughs> He scored that touchdown. Yeah, I'm about to say he probably scored that touchdown there. <laughs> didn't he? Didn't he say he could luck into a touchdown or something yeah. like that? Or was it the home run? Was it the home run? I think he said. I think he, he said he could luck both. into a home run. <laughs> like ESP, please. I want you to. If, you better hope they throw you a breaking ball. Because if they throw you a fastball, you have nothing coming your way. Do you know what I would pay to see a pickup basketball game with all the beat writers for the Eagles? <laughs> I just you seen I, that? Y'all got y'all watch the office? 
You seen that episode when they had the basketball game in the basement? That's exactly what it's gonna look like. Which beat writer? Which beat writer y'all think like, is a like real hooper for real? Who a real hooper for real? Who the real hooper for real? Hey, Brandon Lee Gowden is just tall for nothing, bro. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he like six foot six. Yeah, he's tall as hell. I I guarantee you, he can't shoot a basketball, man. Come on. He can make a layup, get a couple blocks. He's cool. Maybe you gotta have touch to make a layup. We saw that with Ben Simmons. He can make blocks. I'll give you that. Unless you can make him jump. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who is the certified hooper? On... That's actually a good question, man. I'm going to have to go with one of the new, the new kids on the block. In other words, I'll probably go with Chris Franklin. No. Just, uh, what's the guy's name with the Inquirer? Um, Josh. Uh, oh, Josh Colentino? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say. I was like, he could, he, could, he could maybe be hooping. Yeah, otherwise, I, I don't know, man. It's 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 slim pickings. I'll, I'll do respect, <laughs> man, but, man, I'm beating any one of them one-on-one. Man. <laughs> I'll play you one-on-one for your job. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, you know, it's, it's great to see some new additions, right? Gators, Gators, uh, you know, whatever, Ohio State, Buckeyes, or whatever, they can join the team. Um, but 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 we we did have some uh, some guys leave the team, and, uh, and and I think the main the main guy that that everybody wants to talk about is is Jalen Rager. I saw stuff on Twitter today about oh like it's still the guys that how we missed on like he didn't take T and Van. Honestly, and honestly, honestly, not to cut you off, but at what point do we just move on from that? Just like, leave it. It's, it's, exactly it's old, right. bro. Like, like there's nothing we and, can do about it. And let's and look I, at where we are. Let's look at where we are right now. Devontae Smith and AJ Brown, bro. Like, on, relax. And Quez Watkins from that same exactly. draft. Like, fine, he might exactly. not have gone first, but like, whatever. Like, and, and sometimes and, and I, I forget. Well, sometimes I question are you guys really Eagles fans? <laughs> Listen, it's just like, with receivers. It's receivers. I got a, I got a soft spot for receivers, <laughs> man. I had it for Aguilar. I had it for Jacob. Man, listen. After the year he had, I just I hope he can figure it out. It's it's so petty by Howie to send him to the Vikings of all places so he can. This watch man has to go Jefferson. has to walk into work like, every day. Hey, 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 I want up you. I want up you. I mean, granted, J. got cut, but Howie was on a mission, man. He sent J. to DK, and he sent <laughs> J- he sent Reagan and Jettas. It was like. I want you guys to look and look and think about what you could have did. And, and Dillard <laughs> has to stay and watch my lot every single day. <laughs> I guess we should touch on that since you broke him up. Yeah, so, yeah. You guys heard about the Dillard injury? I, I, saw, I don't get how I that saw, happened, man. It yeah, was like that was that was my that was my reaction to it. Like when did this happen? I didn't see it reported practice anywhere. Today. Not what happened today, practice, man? Mm-hmm. I was oh, wow. I was listening to Birds with friends. They were like, "What are the chances that Derek Barnett did it?" Because you know they've they've had beef <laughs> like all summer, man. Because like all the headbutting and stuff. But but on the real, it just doesn't make sense. Like it was a non-padded practice, non-contact. Like I don't I don't really know what happened. Maybe he fell, but you know, regardless, hope open the best for him. But they said he should be back. You know, before I mean, the they was also saying it's pretty bad. So I'm assuming it's like they said it was bad. Late, so okay. They said it was it was bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Oh, so wow. Again, 
it, it, again, like Park said, he should be back before the end of the season, but that's just giving you a glimpse of how the times are. It's not like we're talking about a full five-week injury or something. Maybe week 10 or so, I'm assuming. Wow. Since they're thinking that they he was going to get I mean, they say a displaced forearm. I mean, I broke my wrist, and I was out for a minimal eight weeks. So, Bro, that's got to be a bad injury, man. Damn, damn. Wow. I, I mean, you know, you you hate to put it that way, but, like, you know, of, of all positions on the field, you know, that's probably the place where we can take an injury. And just because of the depth we have, Crystal can play tackle. You know, Mylotta can switch sides. And, you know, Lane, he has his health injury issues, but – Damn, and I think Sills played a little bit of tackle as well, but I mean, obviously he's very raw. But I mean, I hoping the best for for Dillard, but that obviously is going to put a cap on a lot of trade talks too, you know, which could have yeah. been happening. I honestly think they would have kept Dillard. Yeah, I mean, regardless, they would have. Yeah, I think they appreciate. Like, just think about how they feel about the defensive line, how they love oh. having the ability to rotate, all that. I think they appreciate heading to a season. With the league viewing them as not only the best pure offensive line in the league, but the best depth at offensive line in the league. So I don't think it would have been eager. I mean, if a move came along that was worth a trade, then that's one thing. But I don't think it would have been eager to move on either. Yeah, I I, 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 I tend to agree with you, Quell, in, in terms of like that they value depth. The only thing that had me feeling like they might trade him is just the fact that, you know, in at the end of this year, they could lose him for nothing, you know? So, you know, maybe a midseason type trade, you know, right as the deadline comes, send him to the Bears or something like that. Speaking of the Bears, I know they signed Leatherwood, but I, I pray to God they don't play him at tackle, man. He's a, he's nah, a way better. He's a guard. Okay, good. They play him at guard. Good, okay. Then give him Dillard, hey, man, yeah. and solidify they, that old line, they, you know? They definitely, he should have never been playing tackle. Never, and he shouldn't have been drafted in the first round. Like, you know, maybe oh, the Raiders, the Raiders. Gonna, I wouldn't take it that far. I wouldn't have drafted them at 18. Yeah, I, I was about I to say, maybe the end of the first, the back end. 28 through 32 maybe, but, you know, 25, yeah. but 18 was too early. The Raiders, their drafts over the last few years have just been abysmal, man. Those so pictures are crazy. Somebody from NFL Network, I want to say it was Danny Jeremiah. I could be wrong. Apologize if I was wrong. But somebody from NFL Network basically with close ties, because you know Mike Matt, Mike Mayock used to work at NFL Network. Mm-hmm. So basically somebody with close ties to him spoke on the situation. And they were saying how it's not what it looks like. You can't really blame that on Mike Mayock, even though he was the GM, because there was a whole lot of voices in that building at the time, especially with the fact that Bruners was the head honcho voice. So whatever he said went... It's kind of we we don't necessarily know who to blame or what went wrong, but there definitely was some questionable things going on. Sounds like sounds like Max boys are covering for him, but no, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I think regardless of of who it was, I think that duo was just kind of cursed from the beginning. It was just kind of a. It, I think the do I think maybe you know Mayock could have been a good GM with a, with another coach, but that that duo in the in the deal that that Gruden signed it just it it just seemed off from the beginning, man. Yeah, yeah I hate situations like that, man. Where uh, how I don't know how I'm, uh, how I was always thought about the situation is that it's always supposed to be owner, general manager, coach in terms of yeah. pecking order, 
And mm-hmm. a lot of these deals that have been signed recently by some of these coaches where it basically goes from owner, coach, GM. GM is just a, a face a at face. this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really strange to me. I agree, man. I agree. All right. So, you know, we talked to Rager. We, we talked uh, Sermon edition, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, CJ, sorry, Gardner-Johnson edition. What are you guys' thoughts on, on the 53 and the, and the practice squad? How are you guys feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling really good, man. I really think this is, in terms of the 53-man roster, this is one of the most talented rosters they've had in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably the most complete roster Howie Roseman has ever built. Yeah. And, I mean, the only reason I say complete is because I'm a firm believer. You guys can go check the history of my writings and see me standing firm on the fact that I feel like as Eagles fans, we always spoke in hindsight, but it's very difficult to find a offseason where you can declare this a bad offseason for the Eagles prior to football being played. Heading into many offseasons, there were always holes for the roster to field, and by the time you got the draft day and after that, Howard Roseman had them all filled out. Now, granted, it may not have been but to the the magnitude of what he did this offseason where he just stopped putting band-aids on positions and went out and found key contributors, for lack of a better term. But he's always put together a really solid roster. But the difference between this roster and the rest is this team comes with a whole lot of depth. They aren't top-heavy. They aren't one of them teams where if insert player here goes down, the team will be looking like, what are you going to be doing at this position? I feel like they can afford to have an injury at any position with the exception of quarterback. And even there, Minshew is clearly no slouch. But, I mean, I feel like this from top to bottom, this is a solid roster. But I, I ask you, do you think this is a top three roster in the NFC? In the NFC? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because uh-huh. Seattle's no longer there. I mean, they lost Devontae Adams. You got Tampa Bay, of course. You got Tampa and the Rams. And Rams yeah, the Rams lost Rams, yeah. Tampa and the Rams, and then maybe the Niners. Over the Rams. Yeah, I mean, and, and who knows about the things about Safford's arm. But then you got the Niners in there. But, you know, if not top three, we're at least top five in terms yeah. of in terms of roster. But let's just want to take a moment, man. We've been, we've been hard on Howie, deservedly so. But – I mean, the man deserves his flowers this year. Like this is this is this is one hell of a roster, man. And and I hope everything you know, he's done his work, right? And now it's up to to the team and the coaches and the players to 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 figure this all out um, and, and make it work. And it's up to him to keep making moves if if we feel like we need it, of course. But um, I also just think the thing about this team is just I know we talked about it before, but like the vibes are immaculate, man. Like. Yeah. You saw the the things about the the captainship. I know Quell posted that picture. Like this is the man y'all want to fail. Like yeah, I mean this is the guy that people are just hating on. Jalen's up there, just you know, super humble. And you hear about Slay, right? Like this guy has been a leader on the team for years, and everyone's talked about him as a great veteran presence. I had no idea he'd never been voted captain, which really surprised well, I thought me. He, I thought he had with Detroit. He said it was his first time being captain, and he said he was holding back tears in in, in, in like when when they announced it, and that just 
you know, and he told Jalen that. And that speaks to, you know, the level of comfort and, and, and love that these guys feel for each other, man, that they would be that vulnerable with each other and, yeah. and tell them that sort of thing. And, you know, now that's from an emotional perspective, just from, again, a shit talking perspective, man. The Twitter personalities on our team are top tier <laughs> now. Like, come on, we got we got Darius Lee and Ch- and CJ. Like, come on, man. I'm surprised. A guy, I'm surprised for as much as he talks in real life. Brandon Graham isn't really that active on Twitter. No, it's because he's That's too old, man. He's too yeah, old. He yeah, missed the Twitter yeah. generation. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah. man. That's if he passed that day, man. I'm, I'm just saying, I take your. Uh, Darius Slay and raise you the the knife cuts deep in the back when the nose talk close near you while receiver tweets. Receiver talk. <laughs> oh. I knew it was receiver talk. I knew it. Oh yeah, and AJ. AJ too. How could I forget, man? Man's tweeting about I think the earth is actually flat. And like all this man, if you put a hundred and fifty yard game, you can think the earth is flat. I don't care. Bro. Like, You're he right. is a different breed. He's a character, man. His Instagram story yeah. today was awesome. Y'all see he is a character. He, just posted, he posted a picture of Slade getting the pick. He was like, took you all summer, but you finally got a play. Like, excited, you finally got one on me. Excited to watch you ball out this season. Like, and that just speaks to the love that these guys for, got, got for each other. Like, yeah. offense and defense, and he's posting Slade getting the pick on him. And he's like, you know, like, I hey, wish you the best for the season. I mean, I just hey, – And I think – I think no matter where you look on the roster, like you can see, like one of Sirianni's um, core principles when he was high, you talked about it connecting, and you can mm-hmm. see they're really doing that. Like no matter where you look, whether it's Hurts and AJ Brown or Hurts and Smitty, Smitty and Slay, uh, Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox, like right. they're connecting. You know the chemistry is there, and you know that stuff. That kind of stuff translates onto the field. Dude, we saw it. Yeah, I mean. They were able to take everything because of that. Top to bottom, man. Again, something that me and Park touched on in the uh, podcast last week, where you look at it was a uh, damn. I can never remember this. Who did James Bradbury go to school with? Chikwaski Tart. Yeah, well, a player that was here. We got but, two Gators, though. We got two Gators. <laughs> like, I'll let y'all know. Situations, just so we know. The, the whole everything we mentioned earlier with the whole. Hurts and Brent Calcutta and Herman. Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, just the connections, they, they, it seems as if they look far and wide for connections. Where state, like, they, again, just goes, takes me back to the quote that AJ Brown said earlier in the summer, right after we got him, where when you love the person you're playing next to, it makes you want to play that much harder for mm-hmm. I mean, you already want to play hard, but you don't want to fail the man next to you. And I feel like that's the type of bond that this team is building. CJ, CJ talked about it already, man. He said, like, you could tell it's a close-knit group, but they mm-hmm. opened their arms to him right away. Yeah. You know, he had, he had one day of, of practice before he had that thing. He was like, you know, like I, I, I feel like you know they're they're so opening, they're so sorry, so welcoming and so open, and you know they they have a chemistry within them. Even he, I mean, he noticed from one day with the team, you know. So those those things really do matter. You guys are absolutely right. So and I, and I really do like that AJ Brown quote. Yeah, and quick right before we move on, top five Eagles friendship duels. Smitty and Slay at the top, man. I gotta I gotta have not, that. Not yeah. not uh, not Dickerson and Malata. 
Dickerson and my we still haven't heard from them a lot this year, but yeah. the, the Eagles media loves to focus on Smitty and Slade, but yeah. then probably Dickerson, Mylotta, then AJ Dallas Goddard, Allen. Oh, Dallas and Avante. Oh Dallas and Avante have to be at or near the top. Yeah, no, they, yeah. Jalen and AJ, then Dallas and Avante. Then Smitty and it's Slade. like mm, no, yeah, that's definitely a good one, man. Ooh. Dallas and Avante have to be top three. There's no way they're not. Yeah, I think the top three is it's top three is Jalen and AJ. In no order. Jalen and AJ. Um Goddard and Vante and Smith and Slay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think my lot of I mean it's crazy that we ain't think about it, but by default we gotta throw it in the Kobe and Oh, Davis, bro, man. I forgot. That's facts. That's facts. That's another one. I forgot. Damn. Just so nah, you guys yeah, count Kelsey, tight, man. Kelsey, would you guys count Kelsey and Lane Johnson? Is that? No, nah, that's a good one, too. That's definitely that's a good one. That's a decent one. one. I wouldn't. I mean, I know they, they're pretty close. But, I but they're not. They're not top five. Like, maybe if we still if have. Brandon, if Brandon Brooks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Brandon and Lane, they would be yeah. top five. Yeah, they was like BFFs. Like, yeah, you know, they were they were tight, tight. Uh, That's how I need Joe, my lot of Dickerson. Yeah, yeah, I think, and the yeah, I think that's it. But the I love to hear that just like the receiver room is super tight, man. Like, just I think even even last year, you saw it like nearly every game they arrived together, that at least they walked in together. And now you add you add AJ to that fold, and and him and AJ Pascal. have sorry him and mm-hmm. Pascal him and Devonte have been, you know, learning from each other. Man, I'm. And then I'm, another another quick question about the receiver room. Right now they only have four receivers on the roster. Do you guys think they're gonna add one? They gonna add one because you know. Uh, so I don't know if you guys had the chance to check out the uh, the presser I was telling you about earlier when Coach spoke, but. They asked them with Rager gone. I'm assuming that Rager was taking a bulk of the first team reps at pump returning during the summer. And they was like, with Rager gone, who do, do you see yourself signing an extra receiver or doing something of that nature? And he was saying basically they feel comfortable between the guys they got on the roster and the guys they got active on the practice squad. That's so what I was about to say. I feel like hey, that that was another Britton Covey love right there. Yeah. I think I, mean, I feel like they got enough. I think it's it, it's it's between it's gonna be between Covey and um and Kane. Kane, yeah, Deion Kane. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think and I think Allen could make a push at one point, uh, just because of his ability at, at as a gunner. Um, bro, bro, I watched that Miami preseason game. He, he could be fast. a game changer, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like he's fat. Like fast. like you know, I was listening to Mark Schofield, friend of the oh. pod, right. He was, he was talking Mark. about Matthew. He was talking about Matthew Slater for his Patriots, right? And just the fact that you know they have a roster spot on him, but you know he's just such a, a solid special teamer. Um, but yeah, I I agree with with both of y'all. I don't think we're getting a receiver. I think the fact that we have three receivers on the practice squad, who you know all of them have showed traits in different ways and um, and have have definitely sparked some inspiration. I think I think we'll be able to you know activate guys that we need on a on a on a need to basis week by week. You also take into account like I try to think of things like this where so do you think it's really smart and wise to leave yourself with a four receivers going in game by game basis? But do you so. think it, I don't either, but again like Harp just said, feeling like you have three different receivers on a practice squad that you could rely on to call up 
But then I think that they are more than comfortable than what they have going on in the tight end room. To feel like they have competent pass catch. Like I've I've heard they're really high on Grant Calcutta. Very high. Um, yeah. Same for Kenneth Gainwell. I was just about to bring that up. Pass catcher. I feel like mm-hmm. they have more than enough value pass catches that they could be good right there. Yeah. I, I agree. I think the, the versatility of the offense, I mean, and Dallas Goddard is probably going to be the number one or number two option in the offense. He should probably now. be the, I mean, the, of course, you're going to make it seem like it's the AJ and Devonta show. Yeah, but, but I it, feel like the, the entire offense probably runs through Dallas Goddard. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. they every, have a monster all season. Of them open everything up for him. Exactly. Exactly. And, gonna, and, you can go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I mean, AJ opens up the middle of the field more and he gives another threat in the middle of the field. And I think we're going to see Jalen just throwing there a lot more just because his timing is, is, it's a lot better than the offense. Like we talked about second year in an offense is going to do, is going to do wonders for a guy. Yeah. What were you going to say, Pierre? Yeah. I think with Dallas, I think uh, a lot of the concepts that they liked to run last year in terms of uh, those sell over type of concepts, I think he's going to continue to eat off of those. When you add in AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, um, and their skill sets. Exactly. And I think um, with 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 Quez and, and Pascal, like you have even yeah, even Quez, I didn't even bring him up. You have, you have three you you have two receivers who can play as your third receiver who can play different roles that you need them to. You know, Pascal has surprised a lot of people. He's he's had a hell of a camp, you know, he's played very well. Um, you know, he can be a, a bulkier kind of solid guy who'll get you your ten yards if you need. And Quez, we know can bust off a, a 98 yard catch, you know, like it, like it's nothing. So um, we have that ability to be a little bit more versatile. And just because, you know, so many other, we have so many other pass catchers in the offense. I think you can get away with having four guys on the roster and three guys on the practice squad, just because the line between practice squad and active roster has gotten blurred so much. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much like an extended roster at this point, depending on what you feel like you need. Yeah. We're interested so, having the opportunity <laughs> to have, uh, like, really, the Eagles didn't lose anyone. Everyone they cut, they either didn't want them anymore. The only, they, the they only guy, back the, the only squad. starter on offense that's no longer with the team la- that's from last year is Nate Herbie. Everybody else is back. Wow. Was Gary gone last year? Yeah, yeah, he left last year. He left last year. And, oh, man, we lost Eric Wilson, man. That one, that one stinks. It's tough. Very tough. <laughs> Hopefully, Kaiser White can take the next step. <laughs> I, think, I think he will, man. That boy, I nice. think he will. Yeah. But as much as we talked about the versatility on offense, um, an earlier point that we brought up was how much versatility they've added on defense, and that leads to sort of how much pressure is on Jonathan Gannon. Um, and another guy who has a lot of pressure on his shoulder, uh, of course, is a quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So out of those two, um, who do you guys think has the most pressure on their shoulders? I I think uh, I think it just I think it's gonna for better or for worse I think it's gonna end up being Jalen, just yeah. because the quarterback always takes the most scrutiny, you know, no matter what. Even you know if if Jonathan Gannon lets up you know six touchdowns, but if you know somebody will, you know people will mention it, but if Jalen Hurts only scores five. Like oh, Jalen Hurts wasn't able to score that sixth touchdown, you know, and, yeah. and and that's what it comes down to because, you know, instinctively most football fans, for better or for worse, are 
fans of offensive football, you know, and they want to see touchdowns and they want to see their quarterback air the ball out, especially in Philadelphia. Like, oh, I want to see the deep ball. And especially now, just because, you know, we've seen these Mahomes, Herberts and and Josh Allen types, you know, oh, I want to see him sling it and, and do this type of thing. Um, I think, uh, I think he's just going to be under a lot of scrutiny just because that's what people are going to be watching more than anything. And I think yeah. as a defensive coordinator, you can kind of, Skirt by sometimes, but you know, maybe because of all the talent, he won't be able to this year. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see. And so for me, this is how I look at it. I think the more pressure is undoubtedly on Hertz. Um, when you look at like everything that they've added, you know, like we just touched on the AJ Brown, um, you know, Zach Pascal, all the, the different offensive weapons that they have, you know, they're putting it at his feet and saying, you know, show us what you got. You know, this is on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and from Gannon's perspective, I think either way, he won't be with them in 2023. He's either going to be gone or he'll either get a promotion to a head, co- a head coaching job. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about the whole boy wonder on defense, the Brandon Staley comparisons. Um, you know, last year, you know, he struggled because he didn't have the correct personnel, you know, but uh, this offseason, they've given him everything he needs to succeed. And so I think he's either going to gonna uh, fly or fail. Mm-hmm. See, I got a very different way of viewing all of this because, as I've said in articles, as we said in a multitude of times this offseason, there is an insurmountable amount of pressure on Jalen Hurts. Every conversation we have about the Philadelphia Eagles spots and finishes about where they're going to be, well, what about Jalen Hurts? To the point where, I mean, honestly, you look at the vibes around that building, how that team is moving, how that young man is moving, and you would think that he doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders. He carries himself so smooth, so cool as the other side of the pillow. Mm-hmm. And Shout out to Stuart Scott, R.I.P. Yes, sir. It's, 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 it's interesting to see. Like, or he, he knows the pressure is on him, which is why I don't think he feels much of any. Here, it's only one of two ways it's going to go. I'm either going to be a quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles next year, or I'm not. But I can guarantee you one thing, Jalen Hurts has a job next year. Yeah. That's so, what I The thing about this is with Gannon, the the, the the perception amongst you last year is that you your play calling was very timid. And, I mean, of course, as you said, it's one thing where you don't trust your personnel and you can love to pull up the statistics. Oh, we were first in the NFL in the amount of big plays we allowed. We stopped all that. Nothing got behind us. But then you look at the rush defense for a big part of the season. Now you look at the acquisition of Jordan Davis. Or basically, as you said, Pierre, the same way they gave Jalen Hurts almost everything he could ask for and nothing more to, to, to have excuses about, same thing, the situation has been laid out for Jonathan Gannon. Like, it, I, I was big on the quote during the offseason of Howie Roseman saying, you want to get your guy, your defensive coordinator, his, his pieces, but you don't want to basically go all in on the defensive coordinator. And you can make an argument that Howie Roseman has just done his research and he understands where 
defense is hidden in the NFL nine days, so he just playing the numbers game with everybody. Or he truly believes in what Gannon has going on, and he thinks that this should be enough for this team to make a legitimate run in the NFC. So I don't think the, the pressure is on Hurts more than Gannon by any means. I feel like Gannon, if Gannon doesn't hold a top five defense, it's a failed season. And it sucks to say that, but the Eagles were literally the 10th best defense in football last season without you having your personnel. So if you can if you can carry a top 10 personnel, I mean a top 10 defense without who you want in position, your sky's the limit at this point. So let me ask you something. If you if he if if he has a top a top ten defense again, right? But it's not as ugly as last year. Uh, last year was ugly just because you know we refused to give up the big play, but we got shredded otherwise, and then we got shredded in the red didn't, zone. Didn't they allow the either the highest completion rate or highest QBR or something like that? Right? Yeah, like yeah. That. The highest they were the quarterbacks averaged like seventy percent. That's because <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, as we always speak about. We play a whole lot of quarters coverage. Yeah, no, no, no. That's no, the exactly. way you beat quarters. No, exactly. absolutely. So, I mean, that's the way they play the defense. The whole point of the defense, it's the modern NFL. It's to minimize the big play, right? But, you know, say it's a little less ugly and like it was last year and we're a top 10 defense. Do you really think the Eagles fire him? Because I think the way I see it is is this year, I don't think he necessarily gets, gets let go if they're a top 10 defense. But if they're a top five defense, he's gone because he's getting a head coaching gig. So, I don't know how how you could how that that pressure goes on on, on either side because then it's a fascinating question, right? Because you know it's the pressure of either you know him taking the next step and getting the job, or it's like Jalen taking the next step and getting the job and getting a bigger contract, or it's Jalen going and being a quarterback for another team, probably not getting as much money as he could, and Jonathan Gannett staying with the team, right? So I don't know. It's it, it's definitely fascinating, but. Uh, you mean, I guess well, yeah, the way yeah, I look at it, answer my question, yeah. I mean, I guess the way I personally view it is, so which do you think is worse? Being a defensive coordinator, missing out on the head coaching opportunity, not knowing when you're going to get your next chance, or you being a quarterback and you play mediocre and your team tell you, we're not going to pay you this year, you're going to play out the last year of your deal? I don't think it. I don't think it's. He doesn't know when he's going to get a deal. I think the, the way with Gannon it is, is just that he has – so many connections. His best friend from growing up is Brandon Staley, you know, and, and, and the places that he's been under. I think Gannon is also a hot, you know, head coaching commodity because of connections he has. So if he can even next year, say, and, and, and next year he has a better season, I think the head coaching gigs are still there for him. You know, I don't think I don't think they're going anywhere. I just think if he doesn't produce as well, then it's going to get pushed off another season. So what do you guys feel about that whole the Vic Fangio connection? Because I've all but sealed, signed, sealed, and delivered the fact that once Gannon takes another deal, Fangio's probably going to take the job, especially with the way he's been laying around camp. I believe that like when Gannon leaves, it's going to be one of two people. Um, his yeah, name's Denar escaping Wilson. me. Denar his Wilson. name is escaping. Yeah, Denard Wilson mm -hmm. or Vic Fangio. One of those two guys will be the Eagles' next defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, like really when you look at what Gannon wants to do, it's based off of the Vic Fangio um, coaching tree or his schematics and uh, the way he likes to call his defenses. Yeah. So. I'd agree. I think there's been too much smoke, right? You know, when there's, yeah. when there's smoke at some point, there's 
definitely some kind of fire. So, so depending on all that, um, we'll see. But you know, Quell, a little bit earlier, you had been talking about um, you know, Jalen is just cool as the as the other side of the pillow, and um, I think I think I think the reason he's so confident about it is just because you know, he knows he, he put in the work, and I think there's a certain amount of confidence that comes with that. And that's why I think Eagles fans have a lot to be excited about. You know, he's not just relaxed because he's not taking it seriously because that's not the type of person he is. He's Nick Saban's favorite bringing, you know, football player of all time that he's ever coached, you know, because this kid's going to put in the work and he's, and, and I call him a kid where he's, he's my age, but you know, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be, he's going to be ready to play, you know, and, and that's what he's going to do. And so he has that aura of being relaxed and that's why he got voted captain. You know, that's why, you know, so many guys gravitate towards him. It's because, you know, he just, he knows that he's putting the work and he's ready to just execute on it. So, you know, I mean, I'm extremely excited to, to see what that happens, but I think because of, you know, the talent on the team that we were just talking about on defense and on offense, and because I think Hertz can, can take that next step. I think, you know, heading into 2022, approaching week one, I think the expectation expectation for us is to win the division and, you know, do something in the playoffs, you know, not, not, not go out with our tail between our legs like we did last year, but, you know, make, 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 I know I hate using the term, but make some type of noise, you know, do, do something in the, in the playoffs this year. But I think we should, we should win the division. I think that's expected. What about you guys? I, I agree with you. I think like when you look at what Dallas lost um, in terms of Randy Gregory, Amari Cooper, um, and the recent injury to Tyron Smith, like, they have no reason not to compete for the division. Like, I feel like if they're not – if they don't win the division, I'm not going to say it's a failure, but it'd be a colossal letdown if they did not win the NFC East. Mm-hmm. Oh, that certainly is the case. And, I mean, Dallas is in line to suffer some regressions. I mean, it sucks when the number one offense and all the football losing is top receiver, is top pass blocker. I mean, even in the fact that uh, what's his name, Tyler Smith, has questions whether he'll be available for the first week of the season. So, I mean, we'll see exactly how all that goes for Dallas, but everything is definitely pointing in the right direction for Philadelphia in terms of being able to walk away as divisional winners. I mean. Was they they ranked in the top five, I believe it was in terms of strength and schedule, even yeah. top easiest schedules that we have to play. So everything everything is pointing in a great direction. It's just all about getting it done and making you know sure to say? see how your team matches up against some of the top teams in the NFC. You know what you can say, Quell? You could say it's uh it's looking like it's going to be pretty sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, man, man. Wubba, lubba, dub, dub. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, bro, I got to watch Rick and Woody again now. <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome, man. Well, I'm excited for the season, man. I can't wait for it to get here. I hate it's so It's so cruel that there's two weeks in between the last preseason game and, uh, and, and, and the season opener, but, you know, we're we're almost one week away, nine days, but you know, ten days, ten days. I hate to be the party pooper like that, but I mean, it's cruel for you. See a guy like me, I got oh, sick of hours. 
listen, Saturday, Saturday's a big day, seven o'clock. Florida is upsetting Utah. All right, man. Just just wait for it, man. All this disrespect of world, Utah this, Utah that. Utah lost to BYU, man. Oh, no, man. The Anthony, the Anthony Richardson. The Anthony Richardson Heisman campaign begins tomorrow. The saga starts. Exactly. Just get ready, man. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Okay. So, I'm talking about the wrong quarterback. When quarterback one is out here using his NIL money to buy his entire team suits to get ready for the game tomorrow. Listen, that's what you need to be talking about. Listen, it's not it's not Anthony's fault that he had to split quarterback reps with 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 Emory jo- Emory Jones last year, man. That's Dan <laughs> Mullen's fault, and he's headed to prison anyways. Damian Pierce was was in the fourth round, was it because of? Dan Mullen, man, he never, he never ran the damn ball. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm not gonna get <laughs> just, just, just run the ball, man. Like I hate you, Dan Mullen. And he had Florida ranked as number four, man. The disrespect. He had us losing to Tennessee. Um, you lose to Tennessee, Dan Mullen, not Florida. You lose to Tennessee. But I digress. I digress, man. Go birds. And so, so speaking of college football, and also how excited we all are for um the Eagles season to kick off. We here at the Philly Blitz, we are also excited. Um, today, right now, we're recording this. It's Thursday, uh, September 1st. Uh, you're going to be hearing this either on September 2nd or September 3rd. That means by then, you'll already know the big announcement. Um, so we're going to be introducing a sort of separate coverage division of the Philly Blitz, um, headed up by our very own Mark Royal Fripp Owens. Um, hand it off to you to introduce it, my boy. Yes, sir. So we welcome you into what we like to call the draft blitz. The draft blitz is where, of course, we, as I say all the time, we find really good football players. I feel like there's a lot of misconception going on. There's a lot of picture holding the football players. And honestly, I feel like there's a whole lot of negativity in terms of when you're discussing prospects as a whole. I feel like when you talk about scouting, when you should, when you're discussing scouting, the term net can't or doesn't should never be in your vocabulary. You should be trying to figure out exactly what this player does, why they do it at this level. Can this be productive to your football team? How can I make this be productive for your football team? I often like to say basically, ask Matt what your prospect could do for you, but what you could do for your prospect. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. <laughs> I've never heard that before, bro. Yeah, we, we bred different, man. We bred different. But, I mean, like you said, we got a whole lot of content coming your way from podcasts, scouting reports, big boards, a whole lot of different things, feature, uh, feature articles. We're basically trying to get you all caught up to any prospect you want. So that way, by the time draft season comes along, or if you want to watch any specific college football game, you need to know who's the guys you need to be looking out for. You should be well detailed. Yeah. And I honestly couldn't think of a better person to uh, head up this project when you quote, man. Like, like I tell you all the time, but like you are truly one of the most insightful football minds that I've come across. So A real sicko. A real yeah. sicko. He was, was watching college football last weekend, man. That, that's what y'all need to know. All right, that's all you need to know. He watched it last weekend. Oh God, I couldn't. I'm not. I wasn't watching that nonsense, man. I think I love football, but then 
Quell's in here like, oh man, I just watched Appalachian State versus like Ball State. <laughs> what are we doing here, man? Like he's he's out here watching it. So so the draft wits is in is in really good hands. Make sure you guys look out for that. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome stuff. Uh, just don't be biased against the Gators, okay? You better show some love. Nah, man. You know we don't scout helmets. We scout prospects. Love to hear that. Love to hear that. But uh, any anything else, guys? I think um, uh, we hit everything. I think yeah. I think we hit everything. Awesome. Well, that's gonna do it for another Philly Blitz Pod. You know, we always have a great time doing these, and we really appreciate y'all listening and uh, and, and giving us your time and hanging out with us for this time, please be make sure to, you know, just leave comments, you know, tweet at us, do whatever, you know, make sure you rate us five stars though. You can comment whatever, but rate us five stars. Uh, subscribe, subscribe from your mom's phone, your dad's phone, your auntie's phone, uncle's phone, your grandma's phone, grandpa's phone, you know the drill. But, uh, and you know, also visit, visit phillyblitz.com. Always. And there's going to be new stuff. Just like he mentioned, there's going to be a whole new, uh, a whole new tab for, uh, for, for the draft blitz. So, uh, definitely go check that out soon. Uh, Quell's going to be uh, getting stuff up very soon. So uh, be on the lookout and uh, get ready for some, some good football coming up. Go Birds. Go Birds. Eagles suck. <laughs> I'm about to leave the studio, bro. <laughs> <laughs>